0: Hello and welcome to In Conversation with, the Lancet HIV's podcast. I'm the Deputy Editor, Philippa Harris, and in a moment I'll be talking to Susanna Mayhew from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine in the UK. Susanna's review of health system factors affecting the integration of sexual and reproductive health and HIV services is published in the October issue of the Lancet HIV. As always, before we start the podcast, we highlight some of the other content in the issue – this month, we'd particularly like to draw your attention to the 96-week results from the advanced and cell trials of dolutegravir, which include data on the weight gain in participants. The subject of weight gain and integrase inhibitors is continued in a comment, which is also included, discussing this issue in pregnant women. But now, let's speak to Susanna. Hello, and thank you for joining me today.
1: Hello, Philippa. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So
0: your review looks at the integration of sexual and reproductive health and HIV services. So why is this such an important topic?
1: Yes, thank you. Well, there's been a resurgence of interest in integration of sexual and reproductive health and HIV services. Since it was first promoted in the 1990s, uh, the benefits of integrated service delivery have been well documented. Um, It's an approach that provides more holistic care to people, which can improve access to a wider range of services, And that then leads to significant health improvements, both directly, for example, by reducing HIV transmission from pregnant mothers to their unborn babies, but also indirectly, for example, by improving the uptake of HIV testing and of contraceptive use. And each of those, of course, has huge health benefits, particularly for women and their children. And many clients and staff prefer integrated to non-integrated services, But despite those known benefits and strong global commitment from governments and international agencies, we still don't have a very good understanding of why implementation of integrated delivery has been weak or what factors really drive successful integration. So this is what our review tackles. So we take a health systems perspective to understand what factors enable strong implementation of integrated service delivery across the range of evidence available? And so, your review focuses specifically
0: on software factors of health systems and, and how they affect the integration. So, can you explain specifically what the software factors are?
1: Yes. So, as I mentioned, we take a health systems perspective in the review. And this terminology of software factors is from health system scholarship. So, in fact, there are two kinds of factors that affect the delivery of of services and the functioning of the wider systems that support that service delivery. And these factors are, first of all, so-called hardware factors, which is basically structures and resources. And then the software factors, which are the much harder to measure softer factors, which include things like interactions and relations between people and the norms and values held by staff, by clients and also their communities. And so our review first, well, it identifies two overarching clusters um, of software factors that appear from the evidence we reviewed to affect integration. And the first of those is around leadership and related management and governance approaches. And the second cluster is around provider motivation and agency and relationships, both between providers and managers, but also between providers and their clients and the wider communities. Now, obviously, it's easy to or relatively easy to define and measure the hardware. How many rooms and how many staff does each of your clinics have and how many test kits or contraceptives have you got on site? But defining and measuring the software elements like the values or relationships is much more difficult, which I think is partly why it's been more neglected in the literature. And yet they can have a very significant effect on what happens in the front line. How do these software factors affect integration? And also, if you'd like to sort of discuss a little bit, how you measure them? Well, the review identifies a number of ways in which these software factors can interact to affect integrated delivery and they interact with the system's hardware so in particular we've distilled what we've termed essential enablers for integrated delivery and those are things like flexible decision making inclusive management support in motivating frontline staff who can then work with agency And a number of different studies from different settings show that it was these sorts of factors that enabled staff to deliver integrated care, which was not able to be delivered where those sorts of factors weren't present. Um, And a particularly important finding was that in some cases, those sorts of software factors, the way people interact and support each other, can actually enable staff to overcome some of the obstacles posed when the hardware factors like training and financing are not integrated. So, for example, where staff training and guidelines for reproductive health service delivery and for HIV service delivery remain separate, which is the case in many countries... Where that's the case, strong clinic level leadership could mitigate the negative effects of that separation. So we had studies from Kenya and Malawi that showed that where clinic managers implemented on the job in service training to promote task sharing. um, So HIV providers um, being trained in family planning provision and vice versa. That sort of on the job approach to integrated delivery led not only to better skills to deliver integrated care, but also to greater motivation of staff to do so and to work in a more collegial way. And we have a number of studies from South Africa, Tanzania, Uganda, Kenya, that show that when those frontline staff are supported by a more collegial approach to management, in which decision-making is shared and often involving community representatives as well, then the frontline staff are supported to use their agency and make decisions about their clients and integrated delivery is significantly enhanced. Now, in terms of measurement, it is very difficult. And I think that's an area for future research, actually. There are in the social sciences and sort of psychometric um, measures for things like behavior and and what influences what people do and, and what improves their uh, feeling of self-confidence and so on but I think that in relation to service delivery and the interaction between managers and providers and providers and clients I think that is actually an area where we do need more work and as I say I think the lack of attention to software factors to date really has created a gap in our knowledge on this and this is something it has been neglected in the literature and it is something I would like to see more of in future. So you
0: touched on the importance of training and also sort of the management style in enabling integration from a software factors perspective. And are those the the best things that people can be doing to improve integration? Or, you know, what what do you think are the really big things health systems could could be doing to improve uh, integration?
1: Clearly, you need need infrastructure, you need clinical training, you need commodities and supplies. But I think what this review shows that although those are necessary, they're not sufficient to enable successful delivery and whether and how integrated care is delivered is very much dependent on these more, more software factors. As I said, I think we do need more research. I think in particular, we need to build the evidence based on how to develop strong software within the system. How do you promote agency? How do you successfully team build? How do you or what does supportive leadership and management look like in different settings? And I think in many cases, that means a fundamentally different approach, one that's less hierarchical, more horizontal in terms of team working and decision making. And I think there's some interesting initiatives, particularly from uh, non-government and university studies, actually, where they've tried to take new approaches to how you bring people together to gel as a team. I think there's a lot of merit in looking at those sorts of initiatives and thinking about how we can scale those up. And documenting those in a way that hasn't really been done to date. Because I think once we've cracked the how you support frontline staff being able to take decisions, work together to deliver more effective holistic care for people, then together with the hardware factors that you have in place, you're going to have a very much improved service delivery. And I think it's important that we do that for the people we're trying to serve. And obviously, health
0: systems vary hugely from country to country. So, you know, we've been talking about all these factors.
1: How generalizable do you think they are? An important question. So I think the beauty of a review that encompasses papers from across a good range of settings is that it allows you to try to distill common features. So I think we can say with some confidence that the factors we've identified, like the importance of supportive leadership and inclusive management, Um, the need for flexible decision-making at the front line, the motivation of staff who can work with agency and as a team. All these factors are common across a number of different countries and settings. And as such, I think they are generalizable in principle. Although, of course, the nature in which they manifest will be different, and there cannot be a blueprint for how to achieve them. But nevertheless, I think the core principle of those factors is generalizable, and those are the sorts of things we should be looking at in, in all settings.
0: And do you have any sort of specific and very successful examples of integration from the literature
1: or sort of personal experience? I think one clear example comes, in fact, from my own Integra study, um, some of the papers of which were included in this review. That was the largest trial of integrated sexual reproductive health and HIV service delivery to date. And we have detailed assessments of integration in 40 clinics across uh, Kenya and Eswatini, which was then called Swaziland. Uh, And the best performing facilities in that study were the ones that were able to successfully deliver integrated care at the point of contact. And they were the ones which held team management meetings with implementing staff on a regular basis to try to coordinate workload and enhance collegiality. And many of them were working in quite constrained settings. You know, they had problems with commodity supplies. They had problems with infrastructure where they had separate rooms and they couldn't really physically integrate. But nevertheless, the case studies that we had showed that even small numbers of committed staff working together to deliver integrated care can have a substantial effect on improving that, even to the point of overcoming these apparent structural barriers. So in clinics where there were separate rooms and sometimes separate providers for HIV and for reproductive health, the collegial team approach meant that staff would take the initiative with their agency to join up care, and so they would call their colleagues and say, "Look, have a my family planning client really needs an HIV test, and I need someone to come and do it now." Or they'd ensure that the client was taken in person to the next room where the you know where the test kit was. So it, it, it's promoting these. Um, as I say, these frontline um, sort of collegial responses, which we have growing evidence of now that it, it's those things where staff can take the initiative and support each other. You can actually overcome more barriers than you think might be possible, which is very encouraging, of course. Well, no, it's
0: fantastic. And especially like you say, in a, in a, a resource limited setting where you might be very worried about the hardware factors affecting the ability of staff. You know, it's great that the sort of, you know, there are things that that can mitigate that that aren't necessarily resource intensive. Well, thank you very much um, for joining me today. And thank you also to everyone listening. Um, If you enjoyed our conversation with Susanna, you might also be interested in an article by Sherry Schwartz and colleagues in the July 2019 issue of the Lancet HIV, which looked at a novel conception service in South Africa, which provided safer conception advice alongside antiretroviral therapy and also pre-exposure prophylaxis. So thank you once again for joining us and we hope you'll be back next month when we'll continue the conversation.